0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the view from the opposition, and this week it comes from Baron Cross of Leeds Live, who of course covers Leeds United home and away. Baron, it's been a busy few weeks for yourself, and there's only one place we can start. It has to be with the arrival of Sam Allardyce, the former Newcastle United manager. My first question to you is: What has changed in the short time that he's been here at Ellen Road, and and how will that play into how Leeds set up against Newcastle on Saturday afternoon?
1: Thanks for having me, Andrew. Yeah, it's um, he's obviously not been in the door too long now. I think we are just, I think he's just completed his first week now. So it's hard to say that a lot has changed. I think in the short amount of time, obviously, as, as journalists, our interactions with with Ice are directly through press conferences. We've already had three or four of those across the past week. So he knows his way around a press conference we all know how experienced he is he's 68 now um many of us will have grown up watching his Bolton team in the late 90s early noughties so w- w- he's, he knows what to say how to say it's get the media on side and I think in the time that he's got he's I think I think it started off on the third so he's had he's got 25 days across four matches to keep leads in the league so he hasn't got a lot of time to change things tactically so the words he uses and the way he uses them are probably his biggest weapon in terms of getting the players motivated getting them on side just trying to find that extra 2 to 5% on the pitch that that may prove the difference um, come the end of the season but for us it, it has been refreshing i mean I, I know as a journalist you are sort of meant to be cynical and sort of sort of try and uh, avoid the, the um the weapons a manager might use to kind of get you on the side but it has been it, it's hard not to, to smile and chuckle at some of the things he says. Um, It has been very, very different. I think a lot of that is framed around Javi Gracia as well, who again was a very, very professional coach. Again, somebody that, that people admired in a very small amount of time. But, but unfortunately, he wasn't particularly charismatic in press conferences, which of course is not his job. His job is to get, is to get football results. And, and as long as you're doing that, it doesn't really matter what you say to the press. But p- for us as journalists, he was a little bit diff- more difficult to deal with, didn't quite get as much information or charisma from him. So, in that regard, it has been it's been refreshing going to press conferences and speaking to Allardyce. We've only had one game so far, so I can't really take too much from it given the fact it was Man City way, which as we all know is a very, very different test to everything else in the league. So that was predictably defensive. Um, settled down into a sort of a four, one, two three or four three three um with you know six or seven players camped on the edge of the Leeds box really, as you'd expect. So we are expecting it to be a bit different on Saturday um, against Newcastle, where we know Newcastle will bring their own weapons. We are talking about the third best team in the league. We know they can attack at will and score a lot of goals. As we've seen recently, I think they've won eight of their last 10. So they're absolutely flying, regardless of what happened last week against Arsenal. So the Ellen Road factor will be interesting. We haven't seen Alavai shackle that yet and how he might use it. He's made it clear that, quite quite forwardly, that they, they cannot afford to lose on Saturday, which almost kind of sets sets them up for a four because if they lose is it then done um so we'll have to see he's saying all the right things um and we know he'll try to balance attack with defense but how it shakes out we'll see we know Eddie Howe is very adaptable as well and he will adapt to what he sees on the field so it, it should be fascinating and Leeds will obviously need to try and bridge that gap to Newcastle as best they can
0: is that Big Sam's biggest obstacle is the time element that he hasn't got time to come in and, and, and rip everything up and start again. He's coming in really to put out the fire that was there probably before Garcia. It was started with with Marshmere even before before that. You know, Absolutely. he needs an, an instant impact and time isn't on his side.
1: Absolutely, Andrew, yeah, I think um you look at his previous record, and, and it is undeniable. Over a very, very long period of time, he, he's he's done these jobs over and over again successfully. And, and West uh, West Brom was the, the was the blemish on his record from a couple of years ago, and he quite artfully managed to steer that into his first press conference and made it clear that that was a disaster because of COVID, effectively. So I think he's well aware that that is a blemish on his record. Is his first and only top flight relegation. He had a lot more time there than he does here. Um, but he did make the point that COVID made it difficult. And, and I can understand that. He's he's very much a man-manager. He's all about building confidence and being around the players and getting in with the group. And we know that that was a very, very difficult time for everybody involved in football. So you can can almost allow that to some degree. So who knows how he would have done if, he, if he'd come in at Christmas, maybe, or, or during the World Cup break here. Um, so, yes, I think you're, you're absolutely right. The fact he's only got four games, it may well be it starts clicking by the end of the Spurs game which is the final day of the season. And by then it's too late. So yeah, time is, is absolutely huge. And everybody knows that, you know, this is a huge, huge task for him.
0: And I guess that also leads into tactically then, because Big Sam, I keep calling him Big Sam. I have to get out of that habit. Sam Allardyce, <laughs> you know, his teams maybe, so typically maybe unfairly, are always described as this kind of long ball, you know, route one. But with Leeds, again, he hasn't got the, the, the time to change how Jesse March played, how, Javier Garcia followed on from them. You know the width was always the big issue with with Marsh's team, wasn't it? And I guess the the issues that you've seen running through the previous two managers, again, he hasn't got time to come in and implement his style of play, which he knows works for him. So he, he's kind of on hiding to nothing in many ways, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I would also say that he can't lose really because yeah, I think he's going to get around like half a million pounds for twenty-three days' work, which is eye-watering amounts of money, and sums up the desperation Premier League clubs to stay in this division. So Leeds clearly see I mean, that's that's small pocket money if they stay up. So, um, and then of course, if they do stay up, he'll get you know I think another two and a half million in a bonus. So you know, Allardyce can't lose. He's he's not going to come out of this with a damaged reputation, even if Leeds go down, because he knows the damage is effectively already done and he can only be a hero in this situation. So yes, it's it's impossible to avoid the the clash in styles we've seen. I mean we've gone from Bielsa who I'm sure Newcastle fans will be aware of and Leeds became many many fans second team because of the way they played under Bielsa and he delivered that long awaited return to the Premier League. So within the space of 14 months we've gone from Bielsa to Sam Allardyce who Became the butt of many jokes. I mean, fans would fans at crisis clubs would talk about. I'll oh, give it to Big Sam to the end the season, and it was laughed off as, "Oh yeah, he's never going to get that bad. It's never going to get that desperate because he's it, got this agricultural way of playing football." And Leeds have come for it. You know, Leeds have, have smashed the emergency glass and gone with it. So they are only humans, that the players, and they will try to change their way they play. But as you've said, there is very very limited time to go from what Bielsa, Marsh, and then Gracia was doing. So. Alavice would defend himself to the Hilton and say he's a, he's a, adaptable as a manager. He doesn't just go for the long ball and play the same against every team, which we may see tomorrow when they play play a bit differently to the way they did last week. So we'll see that there are the the tenets there of an Alavice team. You know, Bamford, whilst he has had another injury ravaged, difficult season, has the makings of a number nine as much as we'd love an Ivan Tony or a Callum Wilson, perhaps. Or even earlier in the week, Dominic Calvert-Lewin played the role perfectly for Everton. You know, that's the kind of play you would want. Allardyce would like to believe he can get that kind of shift out of Bamford. You have got some head and kick-it defenders who, who can defend their own six-yard box. And of course, you have got these tricky wide players, which is how they might hurt Newcastle if Newcastle do commit their full-backs, with like likes of Somerville, Nonto, Harrison, who Newcastle fans will be familiar with. He does have those weapons on the break if they need them. But again, it, it does just come down to time and, I mean, how much can a manager achieve in, in 23, 25 days?
0: And, um, I mean, a lot of Leeds fans took positives from the second half against Manchester City, some describing it as a, as a victory, some describing it as a moral boosting, but on our preview episode yesterday with John Gibson, he played that down and said, well, how can it be a morale boosting when you've actually ended up in the relegation zone? And again, it goes back to that time element. If you're losing 2-1 to City and you've played well in the second half and this is back in November, December, then yes, you can run with them positives and hope in a few months' time they turn into into victories. But again, I mean, what positives, did you see any against City and, and can you see them implementing them against Newcastle or is it again, just it's just too soon to, to be able to do so?
1: Yeah, I think this plays into what Allardyce was saying yesterday in that they, they haven't really got got time for any more missed opportunities to to. Like you say, early in the season, you can take a few weeks where you don't pick up points on the on the chin because you've got you've got more opportunities. They are, you know, got three games to go. They really can't afford to to wait to, to pick up these points. They need to get towards 35 in order to kind of secure safety. So I think that's where Elias was coming from with his comments. Um there were positives. I mean, with it being City Away, we knew going into it there was only going to be so much we could learn from that game because they could have played you know well and still lost three or four nil. That's just the way it is against City. And as it was, City did miss a lot of chances. If anybody didn't watch the highlights, Harlem missed a few chances, so it could have um it could have been a lot worse. Um there was definitely signs of offensive solidity there as I saw as I said. And um they were able to to carry out Adelaise's instructions and yes if you are looking to find silver linings they, they did win the second half one nil whatever whatever that means. So there will be there will be Certainly, it's better than... I mean, if they'd lost 7 or 8 nil, which many of us were worried about and, and may have been the case from De Gracia, then yes, that would have absolutely hammered their confidence and who can come out of that feeling good. So, coming away losing 2-1 and, and winning the second half 1-0, I mean, there absolutely is a lot of things they can take from that for their morale.
0: You mentioned there the, the defence and obviously that's something that Sam Aldais has commented on um, and Leeds fans will be well aware that they have conceded the most goals in, in the Premier League. I think it's 69, isn't it? So... That is obviously music to the ears of Newcastle United fans and to Eddie Howe. You know, they've scored a lot of goals recently. Um, and if Callum Wilson, Alexander, he's like whoever starts up front can find the shooting boots that were missing against Arsenal, it could be a, a very comfortable day for Newcastle. How does he improve the defence? Again, going back to the time element, just, just such a short space of time. Is it a case that he just you think thinking Sam Allardyce is on the training pitch and he's just trying to drill in the organisation ahead of these last three games?
1: Yeah, I think that's probably one of the few options he's got. We've we've kind of put that to him in press conferences and he has tried to resist the this this image of him being out there five, six hours a day, six days a week with him. He's very, very keen on headspace and, and taking time off and not giving the players days off. Like I say, it's, it's more of a psychological job than a tactical job. I think he really sees... He's trying to use all the tricks of the trade just to get that extra 2 or 3% out of the players. So the, the beauty is they, do, they have got clear weeks. So they've got a clear week this week, they'll have a clear week next week and a week after to work on things. And a week is a long time, and it does give them plenty of hours on the training pitch to do these things. So a lot of it will depend on, on how Newcastle want to go about it. If Newcastle want to go on the front foot and press high and really force errors from the back line, then yes, perhaps it is going to kind of take on the the same kind of flow as last weekend where Leeds do begin to defend deep they try to restrict space in behind for newcastle's pace and thrust um, but if newcastle want to be a bit pragmatic and sit off Leeds and let Leeds bring it out and maybe try and win it on halfway or something then then we may see something a bit different um but i just think we're talking about two managers who will adapt it to what they see on the day and i think it's quite hard to predict what we're going to see but but yes absolutely the the, the numbers would suggest newcastle should have a very comfortable afternoon and. But as we've already alluded to, shocks do happen. You know, Monday we saw a number of shocks. Um I'm not saying Newcastle in any way the same boat as Brighton, but it's football, isn't it? This is why we all love football. These things can happen. And Allardyce has made a career on on, on creating upsets like that. Even if it's a draw, I mean that would be a huge shock as well.
0: Yeah, and you know, Newcastle can't underestimate leads They are at home. And I want to ask you about um the kind of the feeling of the of the fans, you know, because I think when you see your club appointing Sam Allardyce instantly, you're a bit like, oh, here we go. And, of course, who Leeds have had in charge before. You mentioned Bielsa earlier and, and, and what their targets were as well um, when the season began. Is it a case that many fans have just gone, okay, look, in an ideal world, we would not have Sam Allardyce in charge, but we understand the situation. We understand that this is a desperate moment. We'll get behind them and then we'll judge the situation at the end of the season. Absolutely, yeah. I think when when the news broke
1: that Dice was in the frame for it, I think it, it felt like a parody. I mean, it just, it, we couldn't almost believe it was happening. And it, it did just feel like a, such a desperate last throw of the dice from this administration. I mean, your listeners may not be aware, but leads are in theory on, on the the brink of a takeover. So um, uh, NFL fans will, will have heard of San Francisco 49ers. They've got an investment arm and they've been waiting in the wings for a few years now. They've slowly eked their stake up and Let's say Leeds were were very very comfortable and we knew they were going to be a Premier League club next year. I think we'd all be incredibly confident that that they would be under new ownership in the summer and that would push through. So going down does does change all that. So bringing Allardyce in was seen as this last desperate roll of the dice by Andrea Radicarani and Angus Kinnear, who was previously worked with Alavice at West Ham. It felt very much like they were just picking up the phone and seeing who was on their on their contacts list and would be available. And I, I think the money clearly helps. I mean, let's let's not let's not beat around the bush otherwise has taken this because it's Leeds united it's a massive institution in english football he's a very historical guy he has followed football for, for a long long time it's been his entire life and he completely appreciates the prestige that comes with managing this club but you know who's going to turn down this kind of money in, in a situation which I've already described as you know, he, he can't lose you know he, he's not going to be damaged in any way if Leeds get relegated so he gets his name back out there um, so it, it was it was bizarre uh, initially but as with those first few press conferences passing the more and more he spoke the more you could kind of understand what leads we're going to get from him and I think ultimately people are behind him now and I think Ellen Road should be rocking tomorrow there will be a lot more patience if it if it does start badly perhaps if they go behind I think under Grassier it, it would have turned toxic quite quickly but in the I think there will be a bit more patience with with what he's got on his plate so I think there is now a resignation and understanding that this is the situation they are in and they just simply need to stay in the, in the Premier League. Um, yeah. And Al- Alavice is, is, is the vessel for that.
0: His sides have typically been built around really strong leaders. I think everyone will look at his relationship with Kevin Nolan. He went to, was at three clubs he was at. and He's always had one or two really strong leaders. Have Leeds United got that in their camp?
1: That's been one of the pressing questions as well. Even before LLIs came in, that was a question that was put to Grassy a lot is where are the leaders in this team and, and do you have enough vocal leaders? And you've got the obvious one which is the captain Liam Cooper and, and unfortunately he, he'll be injured tomorrow, so he'll be missing from the back line. You've then got um older heads like Luke Ayling again, very, very well known to, to fans of EFL football and, and English football. Generally he's been he's only 31, but it feels like he's been around a while now and, and he is he is the vice captain and therefore the sort of the vocal um, the vocal presence in, in the team in Cooper's absence. So I think there is definitely a case to be made that there needs to be more vocal leaders in there, but I think the likes of Adam Forshaw, who came back into the team last week, he's had his own injury issues, but he again is a wise, experienced head who can have a word with players. Max Verber is, is only 24, but you know, he, he plays and looks like a 30-year-old experienced um, old hand at the back. So he's he's important as well. But but no, I, I do agree with, with the point you're making. It doesn't feel like there is that talismanic presence in the team that would drive them forward um, with that kind of presence you were talking about that that vocal head that that clear figurehead that you might get behind
0: thank you very much for listening to the episode so far Andrew Musgraff I just want to point you guys in the direction of a live event that we're holding on May the 25th that's a Thursday night We'll be at the Tyneside Irish Centre myself and Newcastle United writer Kieran Kelly and Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes and our chief Newcastle United writer, Lee Ryder. The Daily Mirror Simon Bird will also be on the panel but to kick things off we'll have a club legend with us. Arguably one of the best crossers of the ball ever to play in black and white, Alan Shearer is a massive fan of this man. It is Alberto Solano. This is your opportunity to come and meet a Newcastle United legend and talk about all things Newcastle United with our panel. Hopefully, by that time, Newcastle will have secured top four football, so there's going to be plenty to talk about. The brilliant season so far, what's to come in the summer transfer window, and then those nights on the continent, hopefully against Barcelona or an Inter Milan. It's going to be a great night. To secure your ticket, hit that link in the description to this episode and head over to eventbrite.com. And uh, yeah, we'd love to see you. We can't wait to see you. It's going to be a great evening. Raising really important funds as well for the Newcastle United fans Food Bank. So hit that link, secure your ticket, and we look forward to seeing you on May the 25th. You mentioned there Adam Forshaw, and he came out after the City game, and he, he just said, you know, we were knackered. We didn't really have the energy left to pass the ball once we'd won it back against Manchester City. And I saw those comments, and I mentioned them on yesterday's episode, with John Gibson saying it, you know, if you're Eddie Howe and you're Newcastle United, now Eddie Howe doesn't really care too much about the opposition. It's all about let the opposition worry about us, but obviously yeah. he will look at how teams set up and what have you. I just think if you see that and a player's kind of going, yeah, we were, we were kind of out of energy quite early on, like trying to chase the ball down and Newcastle are going to come with the same high intensity, I would imagine. Um, that'll be again, music to, to Newcastle's ears. Um, I know you've spoken to for this week. Um, what did you make of his comments and is that, you know, as in your castle uh, point of view, is that me just looking at the comments and reading a bit too much into them or is there something in that with regards to Leeds' energy and stamina, you know, to, to really go after a game against a, a top side?
1: I, I think, again, because it's such a unique test with City, I, w- I would imagine that, I mean, I've obviously not listened to every single post, post-match interview from a player after playing City, but I would imagine it's very similar for a lot of players. It's just, basics of football isn't it we all know we haven't played five a side it's much easier to be with the ball than without the ball and i think it it does tire anybody out i think for sure is a very specific instance as well i mean he played 80 minutes and that's the longest he played since april last year and he's only that was his fourth start of this season so he's always going to be very very tired. that's the long as i say that's the longest he's played in a long time so he, he is a very specific case but I couldn't understand why you would look at look into it in that way is it, is it from a Newcastle point of view, but I think you're probably reading a little bit too much into it. I think it was a very specific match date situation. If if Newcastle want to go out there and, and command 70 80% possession uh, tomorrow, then then yeah, I mean, Leeds are going to be in a very, very similar boat because they're chasing the ball. But correct me if I'm wrong, I'd imagine that's probably going to be quite unlike what Howe might do, go with 80% possession.
0: Yeah, they don't have much of the ball, but I do think... In recent months, they have had they've had to deal with having more of the ball because teams have learned that Newcastle are quite good when you sit off them and you allow them, or sorry, you the opposition come on to them and you allow them, yeah, Newcastle hit them on the counter. So I think it, it's quite interesting. He's had to kind of adapt, hasn't he, really, to to having more of the ball. So yeah, eighty percent is probably um, a little bit high, but I think Newcastle will still have a have a lot of the ball. And if yeah. they don't, then it'll be a high pressing game, which is. Which is where they've really found success. Uh, how will I mean? You've you, you've alluded to it already earlier in the show, but if Newcastle do have to play the high press, will it work in their their favor?
1: If Newcastle play apply the high press, then yeah. um, I don't know, really. I, I think that might suit Adelice better because I think he he would like to default to a, a defensive situation where he has to rely on solidity at the back with with five or six players on the edge of their own box and then relying on the counter because if if Newcastle are going to press I, you would assume that Trippier is going to press on. Dan Burn's going to press on a little bit. I know he's not quite as attacking as Trippier. Another, obviously, you're relying on on Bruno and Botman and and Share to kind of mop up in the middle any any counters that Leeds can bring. So that might might suit otherwise better if if Newcastle do want to press I. If Leeds press high, which I don't think they will, because I think other guys will know that's that's suicide and they know they can't afford to go one, two or three behind early on. He he made that point as well yesterday, actually. He was quite, quite frank in admitting that it would be quite hard for Leeds to come back from, from going 1-0 down, which very, very frank for a manager to say that. But maybe, you know, he knows the squad far better than I do and he's done this a lot longer than I have. So maybe that's what the players need to hear. So there will be a lot of onus on that first goal and Leeds not losing tomorrow, which... which speaks to more of a defensive approach doesn't it.
0: Mm. Well, it's interesting because he's gained a lot of plaudits actually from Newcastle fans after his press conference yesterday defending uh, the time waste accusations yeah. about going to Newcastle which is which surprised many Newcastle United fans. Um we've got a clip from his press conference which I'll play in a moment where he was asked about you know going out for revenge after what happened during his spell at Newcastle. Um but what I'm wondering about first off is that obviously Leeds have got The pressure of staying in the league, you know, that's what's on their shoulders. They need a win to to boost their chances. But at the other end, Newcastle have got the pressure of qualifying for the top four. Liverpool just three points behind them. Yes, they've got a game in hand against Brighton next week. Do you think Sam Aldice will be kind of saying to the lead squad, "Look, you are under pressure, but you're playing a a team that also needs a win. Yes, for totally different things, but you know, you get a first goal." And you watch maybe how that away end turns, not on yeah. the players, but it becomes nervous for them. And the players begin to get nervous. You know, you're not the only team here needing to win for something really important.
1: Yeah, that's a really, really, really fair point. I mean, I've I've not watched as much of Newcastle this year as you have. And it'd be interesting to know how they have responded to pressure over the course of the season. But clearly they're third for a reason. We're talking about a very, very good football team. So I would imagine they have got the wherewithal and the tactical mouse to to ride any blows they might suffer if they do go one down early. I mean, I would certainly not not rule Newcastle out coming back and winning by two, three, four, one. So I think Halloween's has to play play on that that fact. I mean Newcastle are under pressure. They haven't been in this situation very often for for you know twenty odd years now since Bobby was in charge. So it is gonna be new territory for them they've got a very a lot of very very confident players in there that have been playing well i'm sure they will back themselves but Adelaise has to play on that fact that that they know newcastle need the points because liverpool are coming for them as mathematically slim as it looks for liverpool there is still that possibility and eddie will know that as well so they've got to shackle the lmo factor That's that's got too big and of course they can maybe take something from december when of course we went to st james's and drew in a very very one-sided draw which again you probably should have won but whilst it was under marsh you know we're talking about a lot of the similar kind of players there they, they can hopefully take something from that
0: yeah when you castle have reacted very well to setbacks you yeah. mentioned uh, there the the run they've been on you know eight out of the last 10 well the, the last defeat before arsenal was was you know it was grand national day and they lost against aston villa they were thumped 3-0 and then they went on this amazing uh, run of results and you know to be in with a shout of finishing in the top 4 is quite remarkable because it, it looked at one stage um, that, that might not happen and the, you know. Mm-hmm. but they always do seem to bounce back from from defeat so from a Newcastle point of view I think fans will be hoping that the same happens again following defeat to Arsenal um, I'll play what? now a clip from Sam Allardyce um, and he was asked in the press comments about yeah, wanting revenge for what happened when he was in charge at Newcastle so this is what he had to say
2: It's a long time ago yeah. 2000, 2007 is a long time ago uh, was I disappointed? Um, yes. What did it do to my career? Massive knockback. But as always, I always recover and move on. So um, it, it was an opportunity that uh, uh, in the end, I couldn't avoid a change of ownership that was unexpected. Um, I have no, no criticism of my career. It's his club he wanted to do what he wanted to do with it at that particular time. I made no made no choice for me. It was a blow to my my career uh, at that particular time because I wanted to take Newcastle as far as I possibly could. and uh, like it's doing now, that was the ambition of me and F- Freddie Shepherd at the time, but that uh, want to be.
0: yeah, some really interesting comments there from some dice because I mean he's 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 never going to come out and say yes, I'm out for blood here. Now, I'm still hurting <laughs> him and being sacked. He's never going to come out and say that. He can't because obviously his full focus has to be on on Leeds United. But I do suspect that a little part of him would like to stick it to Newcastle United.
1: Of course it would, yeah. We had them, um, as you can imagine from the, the topic of the type of questions that he was getting, we had quite a few of the Northeastern guys in the in um, Adelaide's briefing on Thursday. So they were in there looking for that Newcastle angle and a few of them were saying that, to this day, you know Newcastle fans have got have got very very little positive to say about Aladice's tenure. Um, but you know when he says it 2007, that is a long time ago. I mean, I know in the media we are looking for that angle, and, and he didn't bring it up. He was asked about it many many times, almost too many. When he clearly wasn't going to say anything. So yes, I, I'm sure deep down it's a very very small motivation for him. But given that there is so much water past under the bridge, I think I do really believe him when he says he's got nothing else to think about. He's got no other time on his hands other than thinking about. Leeds and keeping them keeping them in the league and I think Newcastle are just another another type of opposition for Leeds to try and overcome.
0: If any Leeds United fans should happen to stumble across this podcast I have one of the most uh, unpopular Newcastle United opinions going out there that I don't think <laughs> Newcastle would have been relegated the season after um had Sam Allardyce been in charge I think Newcastle would have stayed up. It would have been an absolute mess because He was
1: saying that um, if he kept I think he lost Viduka and Owen He's, like, I think later in the presser he, he was saying that losing them to just basically killed him. I think he said he was quite confident they'd have gone top half if if he kept them.
0: Yeah, I mean it was a, it was an absolute uh, mess. I mean uh, Kevin Keegan was the popular decision, Mike Ashley wanted to please everybody, but it yeah. it quickly backfired and yeah, Newcastle headed down to the championship not too uh, far on from that. But yes, like you say, plenty of water has passed on the bridge since then. If I was to ask you then, and I think you've kind of already, again, maybe alluded to, but what is Leeds United's biggest weakness that Newcastle can tap into?
1: I think the goals against, as I say it already, it's hard to ignore that fact. They took, they, Allardyce, took melee out of the firing line last week, which I think was, was the best thing to do. And Robles did perfectly fine against City and I'm sure he will play again. So he's a safe pair of hands. Um The defence does need to improve, uh, but again, we've only had one game, so maybe it will improve under and Ralladise and he will get a tune out of them. We are sort of talking about Grassier and Marsh, really. Um, it's, it's, it's the all-round defence, really. It's not like they play a high line and Newcastle can exploit that. I mean, even if they they play a low block, you're looking for those individual errors around the box, maybe giving away a penalty or something. It's hardly more specific than that, unfortunately, but clearly they've conceded more goals than anybody else in the league. So, I mean, that that says it all, really. They do just need to improve as a defensive unit.
0: So, what about the biggest threat then? Where can they hit Newcastle? How can they hit Newcastle? I mean, you mentioned the likes of Harrison and a few others on, on the wings. And I think from a Newcastle point of view, that when teams have got at them, they do tend to maybe get down the flanks. A lot of teams target Dan Byrne, and he's. To his credit, he's he's kept uh, more people quiet than I thought. Many would have thought he'd done, but of course, if you're up against, will it be Harrison on the right? Do we think for Leeds? Possibly, yeah, quite possibly.
1: They they do so, change, change change sides quite a lot, but I would imagine Harrison and Nyonte will be the the starting wingers.
0: So that could be a, a busy day for for Dan Byrne, but I'm sure i has a as I back them to 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 win that battle. But yeah, what is the biggest threat that Leeds carry? Well. I would-
1: after this i'd like you to sort of explain what happened against villa really and so so we can get some some insider information on how villa managed to to do it but yes i think the, the trouble with city was that bamford wasn't making it stick and if he had made more of that possession as Carver lewin did at brighton as a recent example then they can play off him and nonso has definitely been the story of what's been a clearly a very very poor season for leeds but he's been tremendous for a 19 year old to come in was seen as an emergency deadline day signing in August when Dan James was going out on loan and, and Leeds had no other options. Everything fell through and they, they just had to get a forward of some description in. He's been absolutely outstanding and, and I'm sure Newcastle fans would have seen some of his better goals this season. It's definitely dried up a little bit. I mean, that certainly Newcastle fans can't can't fear Nonto flying at the moment. Gracia didn't play him a lot, which, which was mystifying given how poorly the team was playing. But certainly if we can catch Nonto on a good day, he's he's tremendous and will be quite a fascinating battle against Trippier. Nanto does like, prefer playing off the left. He may well switch to the right if Trippier keeps him quiet, but he does like playing off, off the left. So that's got to be the threat is if we assume it's going to follow the pattern it will, which is Newcastle dominating possession and territory, Leeds will be playing on the break, playing off Bamford or Rodrigo could even come in. He, he has been the one goal scorer they've had consistently this season. And then you're looking at, Harrison, Somerville or Monto to play off them and play on the break and get in behind the likes of Dan Burn and, and Shah and Botman.
0: You, know, you, you mentioned the, the Villa game then. It, it Right from the off, Villa were just up for the game and they hit Newcastle very early on and then the first first move, um, Ollie Watkins hit the post and he, they just got the better of, of, of Trippier. Um, Newcastle just had an off day across the whole of the, of the park. Yeah. Nothing, nothing worked for them, but Certainly, the biggest threat Villa carried was, was was coming down the flanks and then running kind of across in, in, in into the box. And um, it worked for them. They were quick, they were direct as well, they were clinical more than anything.
1: Yes.
0: Um, and you just couldn't handle them. And the home crowd as well played a massive part in it as well. So, yeah. you know, that's something that maybe Sam Aldice Dice um, will yeah, be looking absolutely, for. To. Absolutely. Absolutely has to do that and, and like you say
1: if, if it is going to be Trippier and Byrne committing themselves forward as they should do in, in an attacking Newcastle team then, then that's maybe the way Leeds can get out of them but like you say Villa and Leeds are coming from very very different positions Villa of course were already flying under Emery Watkins you know, the form striker in the league Bar Harland. so Leeds are coming from a far far lower base than Villa were but at least there is recent evidence of how Newcastle can be got at away from home
0: Now Newcastle have a, a big injury uh, concern not a concern it's a confirmation Uh, Sean Longstaff has suffered some ligament damage in his foot. They thought it was broken. The good news is it's not, but he's not going to be available. Um, Well, I say he's not going to be available for Saturday. Sometimes Eddie Howe says one thing and then suddenly the guys in there (laughs) score the winner. So don't be surprised if somehow Sean Longstaff does pop up. But we think Sean Longstaff will be missing uh, against Leeds, which is a massive blow because he does the work that goes under the radar, doesn't grab the headlines, but it allows the, the, the two men either side of him usually Willick and Bruno to advance and do what they do very well. It's probably likely that Bruno will be the deep-lying midfielder. He's carrying an ankle injury as well and he's not been at his best of late. And I'm just wondering when you... Newcastle's issue of late is that the gap between the defence and the midfield has been too much and the opposition midfield of them being allowed to roam and, and make the most of that space. If Newcastle again allow that, and they allow Leeds that. Will Leeds be able to, to make the most of it? Will Leeds seize that opportunity, do you think?
1: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I wonder if that, does that then mean we think Wilson and Isaac are going to play together again, given that's what happened? Because Eddie said that that was the reason they played together, wasn't it? Because of Longstaff missing.
0: Yeah, so it, it's his press conference today, and again, he's, he's kind of said, we, we'll look at it. He, he said, <laughs> he's seen enough from Isaac to know he can play in that position, but it didn't yeah. work against Arsenal, largely because Arsenal set up, to, to I think, to counter yeah. it. So it's yeah. a totally different scenario coming up against Leeds, but oh, very yeah. I'm not sure he will play Isaac on the flank. I think he'll give it to, to Anthony Gordon. Um, a lot Which of people means Wilson saying, drops out. Then, uh, yeah, I think he'll play Isaac up front. Wilson will yeah. drop out. Give yeah. it to Anthony Gordon. A lot of people would like to see Saint Maximum on that left, but um, that's. I, I mean, don't... that's that's. Sorry to cut you off, Andrew.
1: That's an interesting point you make about Gordon. Is
0: that ailing?
1: He's done better recently, but but at points he became a bit of a problem and left wingers were absolutely terrorizing him and running at him and that became a real problem for them uh furpo on the left has been a, a longer term problem that has more recently improved but ailing certainly has been got at, and i'm sure eddie will look at that and if they've got a ball carrying left winger who can bamboo bamboozle ailing who i think will be a, will be quite attacking i, I say that i remember never remember where allard ice in charge now so that may welcome into his thinking if you from my memory of watching gordon for everton especially he can be a threat um carrying the ball but to answer your original question i think it will depend on how Leeds set up i think a four through three will be a temptation because of how how well it worked at city because you're protecting Forshaw, who we know is he can be brittle he has he's not quite as mobile as maybe he was given his injury issues so you had rocker on one side and McKenney who we know can be a very, very good player hasn't quite worked at Leeds, but yeah, we play for Juventus for a reason. He could well be that sort of roaming box-to-box who may try and link up with the front three, which I, I that seems to be the more pragmatic way to go. He could go all out and go 4-2-3-1 and maybe just sacrifice the centre mid and actually put a, a bona fide number 10 in, which again would would allude to that space that Newcastle have left. So we'll see again. This could be the uh, the adaptation both managers show. Um, I do wonder whether he sticks with the four-three-three and just just to keep it solid for the the opening few minutes of the game. Um, but we'll
0: have to wait and see. It's certainly worth worth looking out for, like you say. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see those team sheets. And just before then, I get you to give us your score prediction. Just a little word on Tyler Adams, because listeners of this podcast know I'm a massive fan of Tyler Adams. Now you will have seen much more. Of him yeah. than I have, but uh, I've been pushing uh, him to to at least become a squad player for Newcastle United. Should <laughs> be in the Champions League. We know they're going to have to, uh you know, cut their cloth accordingly. Uh, could he do a job in it in a top four side? I can't believe Tyler Adams will be a squad
1: player. I mean that that does just say it all where Newcastle are going now, and that arguably what would have been Leeds' player of the year becomes a squad player for Newcastle. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's been fantastic. I'm pleased you've said it with the little you've seen of him because obviously we've seen him every week and he's been amazing. Honestly, really, really good. And without him, it would have been even worse this season. And his his hamstring injury, which occurred just during the last international break, I mean, that that will go down as one of the, the moments. And if they do go down, that'll be one of the killer moments when they lost him because he just got through so much work. And in this day and age where you know, it's all about attacking players and attacking flair. We know since the days of, of Makalele and, and obviously Kante more recently, that has become such an important position to every successful football team. You look at Rodri at City; he's become an absolute indomitable force in the middle of in the middle of the pitch. So, absolutely, if leads go down, Adams is absolutely a candidate. I would think that is going to get gobbled up by a top six or top eight team looking for because there isn't a massive pool of players. Is there in that position that? that that have now been tested i mean that's the thing with adams that he's got over other european targets is he's had that season in the prem and teams will have seen him do that role very very well in a team that's under fire so if he goes into team that has less pressure on it and has he has more time to carry out that job absolutely he could do a job at that level and i think the more realistic um spectators from a lead's point of view would 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 see him as a big target if Leeds if Leeds do go down of course we'd love him to stay and he'd be incredible in the championship after only one season but I think if we're realistic some clubs will come in and offer very very generous money for him so yeah I think he'd be he'd be a tremendous player for a, for a top four top six team.
0: That said is that one of the biggest frustrations do you think of Leeds fans should they go down obviously going down is, is horrendous in itself but when yeah. you look at the kind of the spine they've got there, the likes of Tyler Adams, you know, if McKinney ended up signing permanently, Rodrigo is another one, Harrison on, on, on the left, on. so, There were a good group of kind of players who could become the core, and obviously you'd still need to be spending money and building to become a force in the Premier League. But like I say if leads go down, you can't see any of those players that I've named there probably staying because they'll all have suitors.
1: Yeah. I think it. I think it's probably it just comes with the realization and the acceptance of relegation. I think we've all watched football long enough to know it. It's just what happens, and we don't live in this dream world where you can go down and, and and keep all your players without facing very very serious financial problems if you don't immediately come back up and face quite a few restless players who will be quite disenfranchised playing in the, in that division for a season. So, um, I, I think I, I can understand the point you're making, but I think given the last two seasons have been difficult. The reason for that is a lot of those players have underperformed over a long period. You might get pockets of form. For instance, Harrison, very recently doing very, very well. Every transfer window, especially before he signed his new contract, was was popping up because we know English players carry a premium. And if you get a hardworking, honest player who never kicks up a stink about anything and never gets injured, that's why Harrison is always going to get linked because he, he can be that tricky wide player. But if you watch him week in, week out, it's very, very frustrating to watch. And the end product has, has not been there for... 60-70% of the last two years and yes he pops up with important goals scored a goal at Brentford on the last day of last season to keep them up scored very very important goals recently that have given Leeds a chance but Rodrigo for instance been, been solid this season certainly at the best of his three years but for a record signing they're nowhere near enough across three years so yes I, I see your point in that there is a spine there which from afar maybe looks quite promising but I think given that the last two years have been difficult there is probably, as long as they got the right price for them, I think there are quite a few there that Leeds fans will be happy to at least see, move on and, and to um, remould this squad in some way. So, I see your point. But I think if you, if you go down, you go down for a reason because those players have underperformed.
0: It's quite interesting to see that because Harrison's one of those names that's been consistently linked to Newcastle. Yeah. probably pop up again in the summer, regardless of what division Leeds are in. And then it's, So, it's interesting to get the actual insight of someone who watches them week in, week out to say, yeah, look, yeah. he has good games, but as a whole he's not he could him. be
1: one of those that, that kind of explodes in in a better team Andrew I mean we've all seen a lot of players who really do their best but are can only do so much in certain teams but you know he And he, he, what I would say about Harrison is he has got the tools to be a very very good winger and if if it does click as it has done on occasion as I've alluded to he could he could be a very very good winger not far from the England squad I mean I think last year he he got eight goals and eight assists, which I think was more goal involvement than the likes of Jack Grealish. So I don't think he's got close, close to the England squad, but I know Southgate has watched him and he's mentioned him in dispatches sort of off the record. And we understand he's been not far from sort of the long lists for England. So if it clicks for players like Harrison, I can see why a manager like Howe would back himself to mould him into an elite winger. So I, I do get it. But when you watch him week in, week out in in what is a team that has struggled for two years. They all play their part in that team being inconsistent.
0: Well, hopefully it doesn't click this weekend against Newcastle. <laughs> Baron, what's your score with Dixon? How is this one going to go? It is tough.
1: I mean, clearly everybody has a bias for the teams they cover and we all want Leeds to get the points they need, but we are talking about Newcastle. They are third. We're not talking about a mid-table team on the beach where Leeds could have a go. I think Newcastle are flying eight wins in 10. I would go 3-1 Newcastle. I think, unfortunately for Leeds, I think we have just got to accept it and look to the West Ham and Spurs game for the points.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the Newcastle United, reporter's reporter who's done this for a long while and the fan who's covered it, sport the club even longer, always sees these sort of games as a banana. You know. <laughs> That's uh, the thing, isn't it? You, 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 see, you always see the other team, as a journalist, you're always worrying about, yeah, this is going to be the banana skin because it looks too obvious that they're going to win. But that said... I do think Newcastle will win, and I think in the end it'll be quite a comfortable score. Like, it might not be a comfortable uh, performance. Whether they yeah, can it could be quite an
1: attrition wild, match,
0: couldn't it? Yeah. But I do. I think you said it earlier, once, you know, if they get an early goal, then you yeah. can see them adding into yeah. that. And I think, like you yeah. said, the, the, the first goal is key, but I'm going to back Newcastle as well to win. I'll take 3-1, and uh, hopefully for the neutral, it'll be a good game. Uh, for those up in Tyneside, Newcastle, and get three points and boost their chances of Champions League football Uh, Barron. thank you as always For popping on And giving the insight Into Leeds For you guys listening Head over to ChronicleLive.co.uk For all the latest Newcastle United news Including everything Eddie Howe had to say Head of Newcastle's game At Leeds On Saturday afternoon We'll see you very soon On the Everything Is Black and White podcast